Please be seated and turn with me to Haggai chapter 2. If you're using a pew Bible, you will find this. towards the very end of the, uh, of the Old Testament. You'll find this on pages. I'll get it for you in just a second here. Uh, pages 1278 and continuing on to 1279. 1,000 278, continuing on to 1,279. So Haggai then, Haggai, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 10 through 23. This is the word of the Lord. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? And the priest answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. And Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. And now, carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of twenty ephahs, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw out fifty baths from the press, there were but twenty. I struck you with blight, and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it as the seed still in the barn, as yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day I will bless you. And again, the the word of the Lord came to Haggai in the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. 
Well, beloved people of God, today we look at this last section, verses 10 through 23 of Haggai chapter 2, with the title, Unholy Yet Blessed, in which the Lord reassures his people that he will bless them. The Lord reassures his people that he will bless them. This little book of Haggai, of course, is one of the what we call the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and so forth, the minor prophets. Uh, Children, that doesn't mean that they're less important than the major prophets, just to let you know that. Uh, But these are relatively shorter um, books. This little book, then, of Haggai is full of instruction. When we were looking at chapter 1, we did so with the title, Bags with Holes, as the Lord corrects his people's priorities with regard to material things. There we saw the, uh, the complaint and the punishment, including the fact that it's as if people were putting money into bags with holes. And again, young people, I would call to your attention the fact that if, you, if we had a paper bag up here, and you put a hole in it, and you put all kinds of coins in it, and you shook it up, you wouldn't have very many coins left at the end of the day, would you? It's futile, it's stupid, it's silly to put money into bags with holes. And, but when you give yourself over to more and more material things, that's the situation which you find yourself And so the complaint and the punishment, but then the resolution. And then chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, a glorious temple, which the Lord reassures his people regarding the glory of the temple. There is that challenge, who, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? How do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? And yet there are the commands, be strong, be strong, and work, and do not fear. And why should you do that? Well, because of the comfort that the Lord brings through his presence and his sovereignty and his glory that is manifest and the peace that he brings. In this place, I will give peace, says Yahweh for the Lord of hosts. Now we come, starting in verse 10, to this last section, if you will. And actually it has two parts, this last section. There are two prophecies that come to Haggai on the same day. Did you notice this? On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius. So this would have been, as far as we can calculate, December 18th, 520 B.C. December 18th, 520 B.C. And uh, so about 2,542 years ago, if I did the math correctly, plus a couple of weeks. Okay, December 18th, 520 B.C. Now, Three months, this is three months after the people had started to work on the temple. This was three months after they started to work on the temple per the direction of the Lord. Change your priorities, be comforted, and so forth. 
the early rains began in mid-October around Jerusalem, and once the ground was soft, the seed then would be planted. And so now we're several weeks after that time period, December 18th, 520 B.C. Now the first thing that we have here, that we, as we look at this text, and by the way, we're going to be considering this, Lord willing, two weeks from now. So next week, T.J. Patillo will be preaching for us but then we'll complete this book, the second part of this section, Lord willing, on January 15th. But right now, the first thing we want to look at today has to do with the question, the question. And the question then is, from whom? The question is, from whom? Well, of course, it comes from Haggai, right? That's what we see here. It came by Haggai the prophet. But behind Haggai is the Lord. The Lord is the one who sent the prophet and gave him this message. But indeed, it was a challenging message, as we will see. It was a challenging message, as we will see in just a moment. Now, to whom, then, does this question go? To whom does this question go? Well, it goes to, first of all, to, well, it goes to the priest. It goes to the priest. And one of the things that this shows us is that ordinary ministers, ordinary ministers, rather than an extraordinary prophet, were the ones who would expound God's law and give its meaning. And so it wasn't, it wasn't so much, you know, you had prophets to be sure, but those were extraordinary. Normally, that would come how? That would come through the priest. If you look over uh, a couple of books to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 2 and verse 7 we read, for the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and the people should seek the law from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So here we're reminded then is that the priests are the ones who would ordinarily do, not only offer the sacrifices, but ordinarily do the instruction as well. As a matter of fact, each office, we're reminded here that each office Prophet and priest needed each other. Prophet and priest needed each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, this reminds us, does it not? This reminds us that each member of Christ's body is needed and important. I'm reminded here of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says, Paul speaks about spiritual gifts, and in verse 4 he says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And then he will later talk about, um, in um, uh Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another the prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, 
to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And again, he goes on, he he applies it to the human body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? And so forth. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the hand to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable On these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. And so, one of the questions I want to ask you then rhetorically today, as we we look at this new year, and the idea of remembering that priests and prophets need each other in terms of the kingdom, um, and that everyone in the body, in the church, has a role. So let me ask you, how are you being useful in God's church? How are you being useful in God's kingdom? What is it that you bring to the table, so to speak? Now, this, by the way, as he approaches these uh, priests, this is sort of a rhetorical device asking this question. Now ask the priest concerning the law, if one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and so forth. Please note that the Lord didn't need uh, to be informed, obviously, nor did Haggai. Haggai didn't need the answer. Rather, the question was to convict these priests out of their own mouths. It was to convict them out of their own mouths. And so what is the substance? What, what is Haggai, through the Lord's, the, the spirit of the Lord working in him, what is Haggai getting at? Well, the first thing we can see is that which is holy can communicate holiness only to the vessel in which it is contained. That which is holy can communicate holiness only only to the vessel in which it is contained. Leviticus um, chapter uh, uh, 6 and uh, verse uh, 27, everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. When its blood is sprinkled in any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. Furthermore, that which is unholy, that which is unholy, can communicate unholiness to whatever it touches. That which is unholy can communicate unholiness to whatever it touches. And so we read in Leviticus chapter 11, verses 24 and following, By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass, the dead body of any of them, shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them, of these animals, shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. 
the carcass of any animal which divides the foot but is not cloven hoofed or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean. And whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. So if you were touching something or something that was unclean touched you, you were unclean. Same thing we find in Leviticus chapter 22, verse 4. Whatever man of the descendants of Aaron who is a leper has a discharge shall not eat the holy offerings until he is clean. And whoever touches anything made unclean by a corpse or a man who has had an emission of semen or whoever touches any creeping thing by which he would be made unclean or any person by whom he would become unclean, whatever his uncleanness may be, the person who has touched any such thing shall be unclean until evening and shall not eat the holy offerings unless he washes his body with water. When the sun goes down, he shall be clean, and afterward he may eat the holy offerings because it is his food. But the point is, is that in the meantime, he is unclean. So if you touch something that is unclean, you yourself will become ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. Now the teaching here then is that cleanness basically cannot be communicated, but defilement easily, uncleanness easily can be communicated. Now I want you to think about this. If you had someone in here who was going, (coughs) was coughing, okay, if you put someone who was well next to that person, <coughs> do you think that person who was well could make that sick person well? Wouldn't work, would it? And yet, by, by being close to that person who is <coughs> coughing, that person who is not sick could very well become sick. Or what about poison and water? And so I have a a cup of water right here on the pulpit, and uh, if we had, if we had, um, if we had um, poison that we put in there, if we had poison that we put in the cup of water, well, would just because we had good water in there, would that would that make any difference? Would it make the poison go away? Of course not. The poison, however, the poison would instead would cause the water, the, all of the water to be poisoned. The, the poison would mix in that water and so forth. And therefore, what we are told here is very important. It is that sin, sin, corruption, sin is easily transmitted and engaged in but not holiness. Holiness is not easily transmitted. And one of the reasons why is because our natural bent, our natural inclination is toward sin. So that's the substance. That's the lesson that's being taught here. 
in terms of these questions. If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? The priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. So what's the punchline now? What's the meaning of it? What's the point of it? Well, the nation of Israel had originally been set apart and thus was holy. In Leviticus chapter 19, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2, in Leviticus 19 and verse 2, we read, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The nation had originally been set up, had originally set apart, and therefore was holy unto the Lord. But now the nation had been defiled because of its sin. It was corrupt, and therefore everything that it touched became unclean as well. What was the problem with the people of God? The problem was the people were not wholeheartedly committed to God. The temple, as a matter of fact, you could say, the temple was that which lay like a dead corpse in their midst, defiling the temple that was not completed. The temple that the people had refused to continue to work on, that temple now uh, had was laying like a dead corpse. Y'all know the y'all know the building here a few blocks away where we started our ministry. Remember that? Four stone walls, derelict. No, there's no roof there. There's no roof. Okay, you can still tell it was an old church building. There's no roof. It's totally derelict, isn't it? That's where, remember where Miss Penny and I started this ministry? Right there on the steps of that derelict church building. But it's, it's like a corpse almost, isn't it? It's, there's nothing uh, whole about it. And that's, what, that's the picture that is, being, that is being pointed out here. The temple lay like a dead corpse in their midst, defiling them. Now what we have here, once more, just like we had back in chapter 1 of Haggai, is a rebuke to the materialism of the people of God. A rebuke to their materialism, whereby they were not building the temple, they were not concerned about the spiritual side of life, they were concerned about their own idea, their own wealth, if you will, and yet this would be, as I mentioned a moment ago, children, this would be a futile effort, would it not? Because it would be like putting, bag, putting money into bags with holes. Even while building now, as we come here to chapter 2 of Haggai, the people have started to rebuild, but the prophet, under the inspiration of the Lord, is saying to them, you've got to have the right attitude. Even while building your hearts must be right before God because the cleanness to which we are called consists of more than that which is outward. The cleanness consisted of more than just ceremonial decontamination. How then could Israel be cleansed? Notice, notice verse 14. This is very striking, is it not? 
Notice what, the, what Haggai answered says, so is this people and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. That's interesting. Even their worship was defiled. Even their offerings were defiled. But my friends, the only hope then was in God's free acceptance. The only hope lay in God's free acceptance of them. The people heeded the rebuke of Haggai and turned good intentions into actions. And the people thus experienced saving grace, not through their works, but through the exercise of faith. Now, my friends, I want to pause here just a moment and apply what we've already seen. Is it not the case with us that we are not wholeheartedly committed to God? Is that not the case? And as we, as we are in this new year, 2023, this is a good time for us to take stock of ourselves. This is a good time for us to think about who we are, to take stock of ourselves, and to know that we need to have a wholehearted commitment to God. And so that's the first thing. But secondly, we need to avoid a superstitious kind of religion in which outward deeds are deemed sufficient. It was good that they were rebuilding the temple. It was good that they were offering sacrifice. But you see, the prophet goes deeper than that. The prophet says, you still are unclean because your priorities are not straight. And so we have, first of all, this question about cleanness and uncleanness. And now we come, secondly, to the challenge. We come, secondly, to this challenge. And you'll notice that three times in this section, this verb, the verb consider appears. Consider, 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 pay attention to. My friends, how little people pay attention to the really important things of life. How frequently we go through life and we don't really consider, we don't think. We don't think, do we? And so the challenge comes. Consider. Consider. Carefully consider. This challenge then consists of the punishment. Notice the unrealized expectations. Verse 16a, since, or going back to verse 15, now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, 16a, since those days, when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, there were but 10. In other words, they got only half of the grain that they expected. Verse 16b, when one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, there were but 20. In other words, they didn't get 50%, they got only 40% of what they thought they would. 
Why this punishment? It was because God was acting. It was because of God's direct opposition. It is God who smote them. And my friends, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But we must remember, even at that, we must remember that God chastens those whom he loves. Notice the actual manifestations of this direct opposition. Blasting. Blight. Blasting. A scorching east wind. Mildew, ooh, mildew, a moist wind which creates mildew. Corn, when wet, contracts mildew in the sun. Hail, so blight, mildew, hail. You know what hail is? The big, the big uh, chunks of ice that fall from the sky, Mil- the hail. And all of this is, notice what it says, in all the works of your hands. In all the work, or all the work of your hands. All the labors of your hands. God is punishing them. He is striking them. He is smiting them. Now, in that regard, notice verse 18. It's very interesting. Again, the word consider. Consider from this day forward, 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. In other words, what is the Lord doing? He, this is like a solemn judicial pronouncement as seen by the date. Remember that we had a pronouncement of excommunication here several weeks ago. And it was pronounced on a particular date. And so in a similar way, by the way, let me just again note, thankfully that was a very rare occurrence. As I noted in 42 years of ministry, it's only the third time I'd had to do that. But it was a very solemn occurrence, and it it was it got your attention, did it not? Two weeks ago. Well, in a sense, that's what you have here as well. It's it's like a judicial pronouncement that God is making. It's in His courtroom. Consider now, from this day forward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, consider it. What is the reason for this punishment? Look at verse 18. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Or literally, yet you not to me. Yet you not to me. There's no verb there. The The verb turn is implied. It's supplied there. But literally... God is saying, yet you did not to me. He's making it very vivid by this punchy way of saying it. Yet you did not to me. You were not committed to me. You were not wholehearted in your commitment to me. You are still unclean as symbolized 
by the dead nature at this very moment of the temple as it lay in ruins. And that was a symbol then, that carcass, if you will. It was a symbol. And here we see that it was a heart problem, which was represented by the temple's desolation. Now, two points of application. The first is this. Sin is a problem that we need to face. Sin is a problem that we need to face. Sin is all-pervasive. We breathe its atmosphere, and it is dangerous as well. Sin is a problem we need to face. We need to look at ourselves. We need to consider who are we. Are we really following the Lord? And then secondly, we need to be wholeheartedly committed to the Lord. So this means that we must take stock of who we are. But more than that, it means that we must have the solid foundation, which is Christ. He is the solid foundation. He's the foundation of the Lord's temple. He is our solid foundation. And so, in order to be wholeheartedly committed to the Lord, you have to be repentant, obviously. But what's the flip side of repentance? It is faith. Faith in what? Faith in whom? It is faith in Christ, towards whom that temple is pointing. So, my friends, I ask you this afternoon, consider now. Consider. Think about it. Consider, are you putting money into bags with holes? Are you facing the Lord's blight, the Lord's smiting of you, the Lord's destruction that he, that he afflicts you or your goods with? Consider, is, is God trying to get your attention perhaps? Was he trying to get your attention in 2022? Is he getting your attention in 2023? So my friends, consider these things. Understand the serious nature of sin. And my friends, flee to Christ. For he is the only hope that we have. And when we do that, the Lord reassures us that he will indeed bless us. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? Now, Father, we pray that thy Holy Spirit would apply this message to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that we would not be foolish, but that we would be wise as we go through this a new year, fully committed to thee. We pray in Jesus' name.